You're listening to Broadview Church Sermon Audio. For more information or to donate to this ministry, go to broadviewchurch.ca. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. That truly is amazing grace. And that is what we celebrate this morning, this Easter Sunday morning, the fact that, first of all, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sin so that we can be reconciled to God, so that we can experience forgiveness for our sin, that we can be made whole, that we can be free. Absolutely fantastic news that we have. But it didn't end there. As Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15, he says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So after paying the price for our sin, after Jesus had given his life for us and after he was buried, he then conquered death as he rose from the grave and he paved the way so that we also can experience life forever, eternal life. And that is absolutely amazing and amazing news because of what Jesus Christ did on that first Easter Sunday morning, we too can experience life forever. We do not need to be afraid of death. Death is not the end. And this morning I want to take a few moments to look at the end of that chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and have us think for a few moments about the fact that because of what Jesus Christ did that day, that we also can experience the resurrection into the future as we look forward to that. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58. And I trust that you will be inspired and challenged as we look forward to an event that will go beyond our wildest dreams. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we find at the beginning of the chapter, uh, Paul talks about the gospel that he's preached to them, that is that a significant, such a significant message for us, that through that gospel, we can be rescued, we can be saved. And then he goes and talks about, as we read, some of the resurrection appearances of Jesus to where Jesus was seen by literally hundreds of people proving in their eyewitness accounts that Jesus Christ, in fact, was alive. Not only was Jesus Christ raised, he says, but we who are followers of Jesus, who put our faith and trust in him, will also be raised one day to that life forever. And he goes on to talk about some of the proofs that he gives for the resurrection of believers. And he says that if the resurrection is not true, he says, our faith is really in vain. And then verses 35 through 39, he asked the question, so 
what's this body going to be like and, and how is this is all going to happen? And, and he kind of toys with some of the ideas and says, well, God is actually really good at making bodies. He's created the sun and moon and all kinds of bodies and, and, and on this earth and so on. And, and, and he uses the illustration of a seed. We put a seed into the ground and then a new body raises up and we don't quite know how. Now we, in our technology, we've tried to sort that all out. But he at that point says, it's kind of like a mystery. He says, we don't really know, but we can trust God. God has made all these different bodies. Surely we can trust him with these new ones that he is going to make and change us into. He says, I'm not sure how we will be changed, but change we will. Change we must. Today I want to look at the last few verses of this chapter, verses 50 through 58, and the victory that we have through Jesus Christ. Beginning in verse 50, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so Paul talks here about a mystery. And he says, this is a mystery. Let me tell you this mystery. And and let me tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. So as I thought about mystery, I thought, well, I could Google this. But I thought, well, instead of just Googling it, I will go to Webster's Dictionary and see what Webster's Dictionary tells us about what a mystery is. And, And it defines a mystery as, number one, a religious truth known by revelation alone. Or secondly, something not understood or beyond our understanding. So it's something that we don't quite understand. Now, for some of us, and for me, I I go into a room and I flick the switch and suddenly lights come on. And and I know there is this thing called electricity that somehow turns the lights on, but to me, that's still a bit of a mystery. Although for some of you, that's no mystery at all, but to me, it may be. Uh, Or when I turn on my computer and I start keying these things and suddenly I can get all this and I can talk to it and it will talk back to me and, and somehow it's going to process all this stuff and, and they talk about things like algorithms or whatever that are out there and, and I can find out information from around the world and like to me that is total mystery. Although for some of you, you kind of think you have a handle on that. Or the Vancouver Canucks, they're a mystery to me as to what makes them function or not. Uh, we have mystery movies. We, we have these movies where, we, where there's a mystery until we find out what it is. It's something we don't yet understand, and maybe one day we will. In the New Testament, a mystery is usually a truth that has been made known through divine revelation. And in this passage... 
He is talking about something that is beyond our understanding. It's beyond our understanding. Now, God knows. We don't understand now, but it is true. And so he says, we have this this mystery. Let me tell you a mystery. And then there's four aspects to this mystery that he talks about. First of all, in verse 51, he says, there are some followers of Jesus Christ who will be alive when he returns. He says, well, some have fallen asleep or some will be asleep. And and there he's talking about some will have died, but others will still be alive. And he says, and it could be soon. He's anticipating the possibility, and and we continue to anticipate the possibility because we don't know when that will happen. But he says some will be awake and alive during that time. Secondly, all followers of Jesus will receive changed bodies when he comes back and summons people at the sound of the last trumpet. Now, it's interesting, he talks about, at the trumpet will sound. And I remember when I was a kid, we sang that song, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And whenever my watch would stop, I would think about that. Uh, but it, there's a sound of the trumpet. And I thought, why a trumpet? Why would it be the sound of a trumpet? And it's likely because the sound of a trumpet typically represents festivity and triumph. And so it's a time of festivity and triumph with the sound of the trumpet. Thirdly, is the change will occur instantly and completely for all, whether they are living or dead. In verse 52, he says it will happen in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye. It's the flash. It's not some slow change or, or as we have this notion of somebody standing in this, this tube and then slowly being beamed up to somewhere else and then appearing somewhere else. But it happens in a moment and actually it uses the word in an atom of time which is indivisible. It's in the, in the smallest amount of time that it can no longer be divided. Indivisible time. You see, it'll happen so fast that we probably won't actually hear that trumpet. If you're anticipating hearing the trumpet and having a moment to get your house in order, this will happen just way too quick for that. And the twinkling of an eye, not the blinking of an eye, but the twinkling of an eye, which is hard to capture any time in that at all. And fourthly, he says, this change will take place from one kind of body to another. From something which is perishable to what is imperishable. It will move from something that will die to which will never, ever die again, from mortal to immortality. And so there will be this change that will take place in our bodies that they will never again die again. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that. So to look forward to this time when our bodies will be changed, the trumpet will sound and those who are those who are dead in Christ will rise and put on these new bodies and the rest of us will join them. But this will all happen so fast, it's not going to be like, oh, there they go, and now here we go. It's going to happen all together instantly. This is the mystery of the resurrection. And it leads to the victory of the resurrection. There is this time of victory in verse, verse 54 when victory is realized When we will be changed, this is when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. And he says, this is when it will be accomplished. What it says in Isaiah 25, verse 8, death will be swallowed up or disswallowed up in victory. And the question that's asked in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14 will be answered. Where there the question is asked, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
This is the time when pain and sorrow caused by death will be done away with. And this is such an amazing consolation as we experience and see death in the world around us. You see, death has the upper hand at the moment. As we're living here on this earth, we see death and we all know that it is determined for us that there will come a time when we will die unless the Lord comes before them. But death will be defeated. Death is only temporary. Death will be overcome and we will be resurrected and we will be united with those that have gone before us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ and we will be able to celebrate together. Death shall be no more. And if you all were here, I would anticipate to hear a few hallelujahs as we say that. Death will be no more. And oh, what a contrast when I've gone to funerals where people have passed on who did not know the Lord and and the overwhelming sense of grief and despair and hopelessness. And then to go to a funeral or we call it a celebration of life where someone who has been a follower of Jesus Christ and we have that confidence that they're with the Lord forever and, and what a celebration of knowing that they're in the presence of the Lord anticipating that resurrection day when we will all celebrate together. What a victory. We have this victory that Jesus Christ has provided over death. He says in verse 56 that the sting of death is sin. The sting here is is bringing the picture of a deadly venom or a deadly sting of some kind, whether it is a, a, a venomous snake bite or the sting of a scorpion. Now we find that death comes because or as a result of sin. As we go to the book of beginnings or the book of Genesis, we find in the book of Genesis it talks about how God had placed us here on this earth and how as mankind we sinned against God. And the penalty then for sin, the curse of sin, was death and decay. And because of sin, we all are destined to die an eternity without God. But then Jesus Christ came as we celebrate on Good Friday. He gave his life for us. He died on the cross for our sin. He paid the price for our sin so that we can have sin removed from us. When we come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, our sin is removed from us. And death has lost its venom. Death has lost its weapon. Victory over death has been won. As Jesus then rose from the dead and conquered death so that we might experience as well. Praise the Lord. Thanks be to God, he says, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 58, Paul goes this, the challenge because of the resurrection. He says, therefore, because you know that victory has been won over death, He says, therefore, we too will have life. That we don't live for this life alone, but we now live it in the context considering that we will all spend eternity either in the presence of God or we will be in that place of condemnation. And it is our place to choose today. And so considering all that, we don't live for this life alone. We live in light of eternity. 
because of the life that we will have in eternity with Christ. He says, therefore, therefore because you know all this, be steadfast and stand firm. The word there is the word for foundation, being firmly grounded. And then I think of my brother's house that he's building on the hillside in Peachland and, and, and the foundation and, and the, whatever he has is, is, is incredibly excessive to where he's got one-foot walls that go however many feet into the ground to make sure that it will stand. And, and I think that that whole hillside could wash away and the house would still stand firm. But he says, stand firm, be steadfast. Our steadfastness depends entirely upon our relationship to our God, which is grounded in faith and love. Don't let your faith be shaken. Stay put where you are. Then Paul says, be immovable. Let nothing move you. This is almost a repeat of what he just said. It's almost identical to steadfast. Don't move. Some of us can be tempted to follow whatever new teaching comes along. And these days we can get it from anywhere in the world. But he says, don't waver. Don't waver. Stay strong in your faith. You may have times when you get discouraged. You may have times when God might seem far away. Or when the distractions of this world try to lure you in. Or people might even laugh at you or scorn you. But he says, remain steadfast. Don't give up. Don't move from this faith that you have because you know of this eternal perspective and future which is to come. But he says, but give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourselves fully the word abounding, which means to be more than enough, to be so much that there is stuff that's left over, to excel, not just a little once in a while when we might feel like it, And I wonder what is our work for the Lord like? Do we give of ourselves because we have to, because what we have left over, or because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings? Or are we giving our best, our all? Paul encourages us to overflow with doing the Lord's work. He says, because the work you are doing in the Lord is not in vain. It is not void of result or without failure. What you and I do for the Lord as we serve him is so worthwhile. However hard it might be or how underappreciated it might be. So he says, hang in there. Keep on going. Don't be moved by these things and keep on going. Stand firm and give yourselves abundantly to the work of the Lord. So today we celebrate the resurrection. What does it mean to you? Is it just another event that happened in history so that we can sit around and talk about it? Or so that it will give you another long weekend in the year? Or is it alive in you? You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died for our sin. He was buried and he was raised up so that we too might experience full life and victory through what he has done. And one day, and we anticipate that it could be soon, Jesus Christ will sound the trumpet, have the trumpet sounded, and we will be caught up with him together in the air to our eternal reward. Hallelujah. Are you ready when he comes? If it should be today that he comes, 
would you be ready? Would you be excited or would you be terrified? This morning, I invite you to come to the cross of Jesus. Come to the foot of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and who conquered death for you. Just come before him and and acknowledge your need of him that you, in fact, recognize that you are a sinner and cannot rescue yourself. Open your heart to him. Invite Jesus Christ into your life and and invite him to cleanse you and forgive you and, 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 and begin to walk the journey his way as he calls you, as he invites you. And begin that new journey of life with him. And again, if you have questions out of it, please contact us and talk to us or find somebody that you can trust that can bring you the good news of Jesus and walk that journey with you. But this would be a perfect day to begin that journey. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace that we've already sung about. We thank you for what we are celebrating this weekend as we remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. But he didn't stay buried, that he conquered death and rose from the grave to life. And the disciples, they saw him, they experienced him, they touched him, and and Jesus instructed them. And then as he left, he says, I'm going to come back one day. And I'm going to come back to take you with me. And Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you that you invited us into that journey with you. And so today we open our hearts, our lives to you. For those that even this morning are saying yes to you for the first time, Lord, we pray that you would continue to draw them and just open their hearts to this new life in you. And to those of us that, that maybe are, are finding ourselves a little weary along the way, that we, would, that we would say, this is so worthwhile because we know of the eternal perspective. Let's keep on going and press on giving above and beyond as we follow you, as we thank you for the amazing gift you've given to us of giving us life, giving us life forever. And so we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.